Words. I'm Locke Hoover. Thank you for joining me today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. And wherever we are, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, all the big ones, we're there. Just type down Lock It Down Sports. A lot to get in today. We're going to talk about the Masters, Major League Baseball. And something we do already know, but it hasn't been officially said until this week about an SEC coach. We'll get to all of that. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than a minute. It allows you, it is a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at the same time. Now, I said I, like I said earlier about the Masters. And what an event. It always is a fun, exciting golf tournament to watch. And I don't even like golf. I mean, yeah, I'll watch the Masters. I might check in to see what the British the U.S. Open's doing, but very doubtful. But I'm almost, I was kind of, I feel like, on the uh, other end of things as the rebel, should you say, in that I was pulling for a live player. I was so pulling for a Brooks Kepta, Kepta to uh, win the tournament. I mean... How entertaining, intriguing would that have been if uh, Kefa is able to pull it off? I mean, I'm happy for John Rahm. Good for him. He's been a uh, good player and hasn't won the Masters yet. And he gets his green jacket, so that's awesome. Happy for Rahm. But, like I said, Phil was sitting there at, what, uh, uh, three or four? And then, obviously, Kepta um, was in that final grouping. And just for the golf snobs to have to recognize a live player, won a Masters, and kept us good. He's won. He's won some majors. So that's not. It's not like he's coming out of the blue. He just wanted the live tour to you know to get money and to play less golf, more money, less golf. I mean. In your line of profession, if you could work less and get paid more, that's a pretty viable option. And he's already won some Opens. And he's able to play in these Open tournaments like the Masters, like the U.S., like the British. Potentially, he'll be able to play in the FedEx Cup, depending on if he has enough points, and it looks like he might. So... First Kepta, he can play in all these big events while playing the Live Tour and get paid more. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it not? I'd say so, yeah. So I was I was hoping for it. And I mean, another thing with that, Jim Nance is so good. But um also too, I love was it the third round, I believe, when he was uh Kepka was walking. And uh, Jim Nance goes, as he crosses the 
CW with a little pause bridge very telling there of how he acknowledged the live tour since they air on the CW but didn't actually say the live tour which is uh very uh very well done on Jim Nance's part um also too Major League Baseball opening day TV numbers 42% higher than last year uh, game time averages were down uh, were down as well. So it averaged three three hours, nine minutes last year, two hours and 38 minutes this year, uh, the first week of Major League Baseball. Um, I think some of that, the numbers were up, were the intrigue of the new, um, new rules. How's the pitch clock going to be affected? What are they going to do? With the steals, how how do the how does the bases affect? Are there going to be more runs scored? The answer is yes to all of it. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later as well. But um, I think some of that was the intrigue of how do the new rules affect the game, and we saw that. I don't have a problem with most of the rules actually. Pitch clock. I'm okay with bigger bases. Okay, so what? Banning of the shift. I've talked about this. I don't think you should limit how a team wants to defend a batter. They adjusted when all the batters started started pulling the ball. Well, if the batters would go the opposite field, you wouldn't have to shift. You still have to play straight up, but that's not the way the game went, and so they wanted to auto-recorrect that. Um, so, yeah, as a whole, outside of the shift, all right, that's fine. Something that's also turned out to be fine, I would say, is the brace fifth starter spot. What a uh, wild turn and seesaw battle up and down it has been and we're only this early into the season of course spring training battle came down to don schuster and i think based on their numbers how they were throwing they got the nod and i feel like it almost confirms my original taken opinion of know what they're throwing hot right now let's see if we can get a few good starts from them and continue this into the regular season and let it ride that's just the big thing what you take from spring training numbers and what you can't take from spring training numbers funny enough two starts in they're both in the minors i mean you can tell uh schuster's not ready at all his first two starts. One of those was against the Nationals. Probably one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Without a doubt. Struggled. Then struggled against the Cardinals as well. I mean, excuse me, the um, uh, Cincy. No? Um, but yeah, his first two starts, he struggled. Um, yeah, so clearly not ready at all 
Dodd, on the other hand, good five inning first start, got the W against St. Louis. Struggled in his uh, second start. Shows he still needs to get work in at the minor league level to develop that third pitch. And he came out and said, "Yeah, I tried two pit. I was I couldn't get my third pitch over, and it wasn't working. And it, you saw the result. He got hammered. He got hit hard." And that shows that development that needs to be done. So, in its place, um, we've got current ace slash fifth starter, Bryce Elder, who had an okay-ish spring, but didn't throw as well as Dodd and Schuster. But also, Braves knew what they were generally getting from Elder, a good... uh, Good uh, few starts last year. Granted, it was against the Fish and the Nationals, but they are um, they were major league teams last year, and they weren't as good, but they're still big league in the big leagues, and he's getting more comfortable in the big leagues. Elder's been the best starter for the Braves this year, without a doubt, in his two two starts, most consistent. Yes, Freed. Injured. I understand that. Right? Still coming back. Of course, his first start wasn't uh, very well. He probably should have still been in the minors. If the Braves had the luxury, they probably would have given him another start in AAA. But with all the injuries right now, they feel like Wright was their best option over Dodd or Schuster. So, still, but still... The Braves have needed Elder early. They really have, in his two starts, been dynamite. Without a doubt, without a question, dynamite. Like I said, they knew they knew who Elder was as a pitcher, his stuff, some of his success in the big leagues. And right now, the way he's pitching, yes, I know it's two starts. I know, okay, lot two starts. I get it. I mean, you can't send him to the minors. I mean, there's no way. Yes. Um, Mike Soroka getting back, getting better, getting healthy. He's had two promising, I won't say rehab starts because he's on the DL, but he hasn't gone five innings in either of his starts either. So getting his pitch count up, getting it better, and which is great. You're they're gonna need him without a doubt, but if Elder keeps throwing like this and and Soroka is healthy. I mean, are you serious? You're going to bring Soroka up the way Bryce Elder's been throwing? You can't do that. And I don't think the Braves are going to actually do that. But it's just the importance of depth. At some point, they're going to need Soroka. They are. He's going to make some starts this year. Shoot, he might end up making 25 starts, 20, 25 starts this year. He's not ready right now. And that's where that depth comes in. You're especially going to need need it now with Ian Anderson needing Tommy John. Schuster's not close to being ready. Dodd still got some things to work on. So this early in the season, right now, your depth at starting pitching is Bryce Elder and Mike Soroka. You think you have all these options going in 
Okay, cool. We've got Ian Anderson there. He's going to make some starts for us. You got Dylan Dodd. You got Jared Schuster. You got Mike Soroka. You got Bryce Sutter. Cool. We've got five starters that we feel good about that can come up, make some quality starts for us, keep us in the game, give us a chance to win, and then we can send them back down. All of a sudden, right now in the early going, you're sitting at one, really, and Bryce Sutter, who's already up, and then maybe two and a few more starts in Mike Soroka. Just like that, they say death is, depth is important, and it goes to show, without a doubt, it is. Now, I talked about this at the top a little bit about a coach who said, I have a better chance at winning in the SEC than I do a other program. And that's Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly put on the uh, Busted with the Boys podcast, and he essentially confirmed why he left Notre Dame. I think it was all pretty much known. It just wasn't actually said. Now, let me remind you, Brian Kelly was 92 and 38, excuse me, 39 at Notre Dame. Lost the national championship game in the 2012-13 season to Bama. Made two other college football playoff appearances in 18 and 20. Of course, lost both of those as well. So he's had success there. Almost the top of the mountain success in national championship games and appearing in playoff games and losses. So it's not like he's speaking from a downtrodden up-and-coming program. No, he's almost reached the mountaintop. But he came out and said he's going to LSU. Why is he going to LSU? He came out and said, I believe I have a better chance of winning a national championship at LSU than I do Notre Dame. Notre Dame is supposed to be this big, national, powerful program. Whereas LSU in the South, in the Southeastern Conference, to me, he's like, LSU's got greater name power and brand than Notre Dame. And and it's simple. He goes, it's a state school. I can get kids that want to come to LSU. Born and raised in Louisiana. If you're a top-notch talent, you dream of playing at LSU. It's all right there. The talent's there for the taking. Of course, then you got to go get kids from other other states as well. You got to go to Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Texas. You got to get kids other uh, other states, of course, as well. And of course, you're not going to get all of them. You're going to get Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Alabama coming to Louisiana as well, but. You're going to get majority of those kids there. Also, he said, too, which is very true. Obviously, the weather's nicer in the South. He said kids are more active. They're not playing video games. He said they're not playing PlayStation. They're out able to do spring football, run track, play baseball, get to play more outside, more active, and... Any coach will tell you, you shouldn't be a one-sport athlete. 
any player, any coach, they love multi-athletic kids because you develop different skills that are transferable skills as opposed to just football and working out, football and working out. No. It's better for you to go run track. It's better for you to go play basketball when football season's over. It's good for you to go play baseball. Different skills, different things you learn. Also, it just said, which is, once again, so true, the talent pool down south and the talent at LSU is better at Notre Dame. And he's saying even while he's at Notre Dame. So let's just, for an example, the 2023 class, LSU was ranked 6th. Notre Dame was ranked 12th. So then it got me curious. Let me go back and look. I just I just picked a number. Basically, during the time that Brian Kelly was, uh, was in. So that's really what I did. So the 2012-2013 season, I went back all the way to 2014 looking at recruiting rankings. So from 14 to 23, LSU had a better, higher recruiting class in 14, 15, 16, 17, 19, 20, 21, and 23 than Notre Dame. And then Notre Dame only had a top 10 finish in 2017, 18, 21 and 22. This big national power that everyone's supposed to respect and revere on a top 10 finish in 17, 18, 21, and 22. Same years Brian Kelly was there, finished a lower majority of the time in recruiting rankings and talent to LSU. That just shows you right there why he left Notre Dame. He thinks he can win a national champ. He has a better chance of winning a national championship at LSU than at Notre Dame. It's one of those things we all kind of knew. It's just he's come out and said and confirmed what a lot of us all believe. Let me tell you about my friends at Stream Studios. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at the same time. Now, we've known YouTube TV was going to get the NFL Sunday ticket. We didn't know the pricing at the time about what it was going to be until now come out and seen youtube is going to charge 249 dollars for a full season if you already a youtube subscriber a youtube tv subscriber if you're a non-youtube tv subscriber it's 389 that's 389 dollars not cheap on either aspect for the full season as a member of, of subscribing to YouTube or not. To me, that's extremely pricey. Is a fan really going to pay that much money, additional money? I mean, $249, even if you're a member to add uh, Sunday ticket, 
That's not cheap at all. Now, the interesting thing about this, I'm trying to figure out why they might have picked 249. And here's my get best guest, uh, guest. Let me try that again. Best guess. So, for an example, 17 weeks in the season. Let's say you went to a bar that airs your team's game, whether it's the Falcons, whether it's the Bengals, whether it's the Browns, whoever it is, team game as an out-of-market. Um, you live in outside of that market. So 17 weeks. Say you go to, like I said, a restaurant, bar, and you buy $15, a $15 meal, that would cost you $255. $255 if you went every week your team plays and bought a $15 meal. Now, to me, that doesn't seem um, realistic as they might play on Thursday night and your son or daughter's got a baseball, softball, volleyball, tennis tennis match or game or practice. That's a week you're going to miss. A Sunday 4 o'clock game. It's nice weather. You might w- miss that game. You got plans. If your team's bad, do you really want to sit there and suffer through a... 35 to 14 loss when your team is well out of it. I doubt it. Why would you subscribe and pay the 249 when, you know what? I want to go watch eight, 10 games with some buddies or my family. And even at that expense, or that, you might not eat a meal every time. You might eat dinner or lunch at home and then you'll have two beers. And that's going to be less than 15 bucks. Probably. I mean, say $8 a beer, seven, $8, $5 to $8 a beer. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, you can easily go to the bar and watch your team and be far less than that price. So it's um, very pricey. Obviously, YouTube TV is doing this to try to increase their subscription base. And I'm interested to see what the numbers um, do when it comes to what numbers they get if they increase their YouTube subscription as a whole. And then that also the interesting thing thing too is will once football season's over will it be kept or they drop and go back to whatever they have with a tulu fubu what whatever it is um so that that's something to uh that's something to watch and be very uh very interesting how it uh how it takes place um he said major league baseball new rules and of course, they're after the almighty dollar. And now they're trying to sell the new pitch clock, uh, hoping to generate more than $10 million. In dollar, uh, million. I mean, to me, I think the obvious are your popular watch companies like Rolex or Omega or Timex, right? To get them 
involved of, hey, kind of like the Olympics does with their uh, their time and they get a, uh, I don't remember, whatever um, one that they have. Um, and then, or why do you try to upscale and grab, or, I mean, upscale, upsell and get Apple, like, hey, because, hey, Apple, you want to throw another five million, 10 million on to this? We've already got a working contract deal with you when they stream their Friday night games, uh, one game a week on Apple. See if they're interested. I don't know. Just an idea. Get the promote the Apple Watch. Now, like I said, games have been averaging two hours and thirty to thirty to forty minutes. And it's funny. I was talking with um, about this with someone, and I was like, I'm curious to see what teams are doing about beer sales because they usually close it after the seventh inning. Um, after the seventh inning, you know, last call for alcohol. Well, shorter games, the seventh inning's getting there quicker. Potential loss of revenue, right? Well, teams, some teams, at least a few right now, have been extending sales to the eighth inning. The end of the eighth instead of the end of the seventh. So it gives them one more inning to go grab that last beer before you um, hit the road. And that's, uh, that, that's really, that's really something. It's not a, uh, not a surprise. I get it. I'm interested to see what the concession numbers are going to be after. Sorry about that. I gotta go get my, my computer charger. I don't know how in the world I started a podcast without getting my charger. So we're back. There we go. I had to run over and get my charger. If you're watching on video. There we go. Um, but yeah, so I that's that's gonna be something I'm fascinated to see what the numbers are going to be at the end when they add up all the beer sales. I don't think it's really gonna affect concessions at all because by the sixth, seventh inning, you you're usually done with whatever you're whatever you're eating, your Philly cheesesteak, your hot dog, your hamburger, your nice concession food that a lot of these ballparks have now. So I don't think concessions as far as food is really going to be affected because you're usually done eating by the sixth, seventh inning anyway. So that's that's not a thing to me, but it's the it's the alcohol. It's like, yeah, let me grab one more beer, seventh inning, three innings to finish it up. Perfect. Which is another 30, 40 minutes typically before this time clock. That's like, oh, perfect. I got plenty of time to finish this beer before we hit the road and leave. Now, where do I want to go? Let's go with, uh, let's do this one. Got two options here. Um, This one is kind of head scratching, but at the same time, not that head scratching in Mac Jones. So it's being reported that Mac Jones 
potentially being shopped in New England. And part of the reason why is Bill Belichick was unhappy with Matt Jones last season. Why is he unhappy? Well, he was asking Alabama staffers, Matt Jones that is asking Alabama staffers, to help him, as in Matt Jones, with the offensive game plan that week that New England is providing Matt Jones. Why is Matt Jones asking that? Well, Joe Judge is was their offensive coordinator, and now, but he's been a defensive coordinator, defensive coach, his entire career. You have a defensive coordinator to be an offensive coordinator. And it's been reported that Mac Jones been te- was teaching Judd the offense the entire year. He's still a young quarterback, too. It's not like he's got 15 years in the NFL and he can do it in his sleep. He's still learning. He's still developing. He's still growing. Yes, they say Mac Jones is well-prepared, well-developed, understands things coming from uh, Nick Saban and uh, Bill O'Brien, his offensive coordinator in Alabama, at Alabama, and now his new offensive coordinator in New England, that working relationships, uh, O'Brien uh, reunites with uh, Bill Belichick in New England. But I get this from both ends as far as Bill Belichick being pissed that you're revealing my game plan my strategy to your college coaches who who knows who they're talking to or speaking with and telling but also in the Mac Jones part of Bill I'm trying to go out and win a football game every week and I'm having to teach this to the offensive coordinator how can I get better prepared when I'm trying to teach it and explain this to the offensive coordinator. I feel like there's a there's a rub there for sure. The Belichick wanting complete control, but also not wanting his game plan to get outside, be out of the building. I get that. That's a, uh, but also you don't provide your quarterback with the proper coach to help you win football games. You end up struggling a bit this year. Matt Jones was hurt. Now do you have this quarterback controversy? Maybe, maybe not. Do you go draft a quarterback? Maybe you you go get a Hendon Hooker in the second, third, fourth round and let him develop. Does one of your quarterbacks fall to you? Maybe it's Will Levis. Maybe that's your guy that you like. Does he fall to you? Or do you want this development guy in Anthony Richards, which I don't understand why he's getting all this hype outside of his measurables. So that's kind of an interesting part what New England's going to do if they draft a quarterback or if they're, okay, now we've got an offensive coordinator in, Bill O'Brien, who's worked with, who I, Bill, Bill Belichick, know, and who Mac Jones knows and has worked with before in college. 
maybe that's a better match. Or do you, I mean, you got this Billy Zappi who's played okay in his little bit of time um, as a starter. So you got a lot going on in New England, without a doubt. That's going to be fun to watch and to see. Of course, we got the draft coming up here soon. Um, I'll have to get into some NFL moves and trades here next week. Signings, I haven't touched on that. Um, So there's always a lot to get into. You can tune in to me next week right here on the locker uh, on the lock it down sports podcast follow me on twitter at lock it up media that's lock it up media wherever you get your podcast we're there talk to you next week